Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close, if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. Yeah, we're back for another week of looking into college football and the NFL from the point of view of the little guy, the unexpected, the undervalued, the underdog. How you feeling? As we head through the month of September here and we already start to figure some things out, whether it's college football or now getting ready for a second week of the NFL, I am your somewhat capable host. He is senior handicapper and writer, VegasInsider.com. Mr. Kevin Rogers, how you feeling for another week, sir? Well, last week wasn't too good, 0-3, so all we can do is go up from here. Yeah, there is there is one way to look at that. I, I felt for you in the words of Shaka Khan from the eighties, I feel for you. Uh when it was thirty eight nothing Houston, although uh, the Arizona Wildcats did begin to make somewhat of a comeback and make that game interesting uh for point spread purposes. Unfortunately the comeback came up way too short there in the fourth quarter. And then in the NFL, tough ones with the 49ers against the Vikings and Dallas uh, against Carolina. We'll get to the NFL a little bit later on in the show. I was able to come up with two more winners, two more outright winners with USF against Georgia Tech uh, getting points at home. And Arizona State, the same thing, getting points at home, winning on a last-second field goal with Michigan State. So I'm just putting this out there that that's five college predictions. I've gotten four of them right, and four of them have been outside, uh, outright winners so far in college football. So we'll pay attention to that uh, here in a little bit, and we're going to make some underdog predictions here on the show. want to tell you in a little bit as well, Chris Myers from Fox, the NFL on Fox. Chris was part of that wild Tampa Bay Buccaneers 48-40 victory over the New Orleans Saints this past weekend. I was on the radio call. Chris and Moose Johnson were on the TV call for Fox. We'll talk to Chris about that game and kind of look ahead at a couple of other games upcoming in the NFL a little bit later on the show, and then Kevin and I will have underdog predictions later on in the program as well. Um, All right, so back to the college football here, sir. Let's talk about a couple of these games from last week. In particular, Clemson-Texas A&M, a close one, a well-played, entertaining game won by the Tigers in College Station. Uh, I know they're still yapping about the the uh, fumble out of the back of the end zone, which is, I know, I can't see you, but your eyes are rolling. You hate that rule where A&M potentially had what would have been a game-tying touchdown uh, and the ball fumbles and goes out of the back of the end zone. Touchback for uh, Clemson at that point, and they go on to win, get the narrow victory. Um, what were your thoughts there, just watching that game as, as Clemson remains a top-five team? Well, Texas A&M had a nice comeback because uh, you know, it looked like Clemson was going to run away with it, and Texas A&M came back and made it interesting. And I can't really believe that anybody out there even if you're a clemson fan anybody believes that's a good rule you know that you fumble the ball out of the end zone and you lose possession of it i mean you know i've read you should get like the reverse touchback where you get the ball back at the 20 you know and you start from there there's got to be something else to change because you know what that is going to happen in a very important nfl game and i'm not saying that has to do with college but or it's going to happen in a very important game somewhere down the line and they're going to have to change that rule. It's just a ridiculous thing that it's such a swing of 
it, it, it's, a, it's such a penalty in a sense that you get that you barely fumble it out, and all of a sudden now you lose possession of the ball, but you could fumble it out two yards before and still get the ball at the two-yard line. Right. So, it, you know, it's just it, it's a crazy penalty in a sense to suffer, but as far as the game went, Again, good win for Clemson. They keep rolling. And for Jimbo, you know, he's going to get it right. I mean, they got Clemson and Alabama in a short span. That's not easy. But that's what they paid him all that money for. So see if they can beat Alabama in a few weeks. Well, and, and to get back to the rules, and we won't get into all the, the different variations of the rule, but for example, they've put a rule in. Remember the famous Oakland Raiders plan. Now we're going back a while. Those that are older remember this. The Holy Roller, where they continued to fumble the ball forward on the final play of the game against the then San Diego Chargers and eventually fumbled it into the end zone. Like three different guys were fumbling it forward. Dave Casper was one of them. Somebody fell on it. So we understand about that. When you fumble the ball forward now, the rule is only the guy that fumbled it can recover it forward of where the fumble is and have it count. As you said, when you fumble it out of bounds, if no one recovers it, it generally goes back to the spot of the fumble, depending. If you fumble it forward, it definitely goes back to the spot of where you fumbled it. The exception is going out of the end zone. And so we wonder if there's going to be enough outcry for that to ever change uh, NFL or college football. But it was certainly a controversial moment, and it did mar a bit what was an exciting game. But, hey, here's the other thing. Clemson has just become a remarkable program, and it doesn't matter now if they go on the road in these early season games, postseason as well. Dabo Sweeney is a heck of a coach. And do you have any doubt that Clemson is going to continue to rock along in the ACC and be one of those four college football playoff teams? What do you think early on? Well, you would think so. I mean, remember, they got tripped up by Syracuse last year. Right. You know, so this is a team that we've seen them lose to teams they probably shouldn't lose to. I mean, look, they play Auburn in non-conference. They play Texas A&M in non-conference on the road, and they beat them. I mean, it's very impressive, but... You know, it's just it's just a little scary where Clemson has those games sometimes that they just get tripped up on a three touchdown favorites, and you know that's going to happen. I don't know if, if that'll happen again this season, but you know for Clemson, yeah, they're definitely a team that you can't fault them for at least their non conference schedule because yeah, everyone's going to play cupcakes, but at least they found a way to to weave in a couple of big-time programs. Nope, no doubt. You mentioned Auburn. They, they opened the last two seasons playing Auburn in one of the first two games, beat them at home last year, beat them at Auburn a couple of years ago. Uh, they, they have played Georgia at the beginning of the year. They lost to Georgia in the beginning of the year game back in 2014 that season. But even, even in the postseason college football playoff, when they're playing the likes of an Ohio State or Baker Mayfield in Oklahoma, they've done well. you got to give Dabo Sweeney a lot of credit. There were people that were doubting about whether or not he was big-time head coach material. They are, they are definitely a powerhouse at Clemson, uh, that is for sure. So we'll get to some predictions here um, in a couple of moments. Hey, preseason rankings. I want your feeling on this. I, I have been adamant for so many years about the worthlessness of a preseason poll, and a lot of times it can influence uh, a team that, let's say, is not ranked in the preseason top 25 and can't enter in and move up high enough in, a, in, a, in an amount of time for the postseason to matter. We saw UCF, for example, a year ago, Central Florida out of Orlando, penalized because they weren't in preseason top 25 polls and never could get up into the top five, top four of the college football rankings. What is your feeling about preseason 
polls. Where do you stand on how much weight should or shouldn't be put there, Kevin? Well, I feel like you get these polls influenced from the bowls last year that if you finish off on a high note, then you get ranked ninth or something. You have a lot of returning players. You're almost going to stay there the next year. And if you went on a good run at the end of the year, all of a sudden now you're getting propped up where, I mean, you look at Miami, for instance, yep. that they had the great season last year. It was a great start. They went 10-0. and They lost their final three. And then they were still in the top 10. They got blown up by LSU. And I was, oh, well, they're not that good. We've seen teams ranked third in the country. Who was it? Arizona about 20 years ago played Penn State. And they were, like, number one or number three or something. And they got blown out. And they finished, like, five and six yep. that year when they had 11 games. And it's kind of, oh, well, they're not that good. Well, because you probably weren't that good, but everyone overrated them. I mean, there's really no reason why we should have these rankings before four games are played. Let these teams play four games, and then you can assess it all. Because if you have someone that has lost a game already, then you knock them. I mean, uh, from what I've heard, I don't know if it's true or not, but I feel like it's this is about just trying to sell television games. That, right. you know, number one Alabama plays number 10 so-and-so, you know, as opposed to Alabama playing so-and-so, you know, that's just something to push it where really you don't need them. And then the worst part is you have the AP poll, you have the coaches poll, and then in, what, mid-October is when you have – for the college football playoff. You have that poll, and it's like, it, it gets too confusing. There's too many polls out there, and then it's like, what do the AP and the coaches poll mean if you're then going to have the, the, the final four poll? Right, and, and in their case, they're a selection committee, and they're the ones that are solely determining who plays in their playoff, in the college football playoff, with those four teams. And I was just thinking of this, you were mentioning uh, top matchups, Alabama-Florida State a year ago. They were both preseason top ten. Well, it turns out DeAndre Francois gets hurt for FSU, so that's going to affect your season. He's out for the rest of the year. But Florida State went on to lose six games in the regular season. They were nowhere near a top 25 team uh, because of that. We remember the very famous Appalachian State upset of Michigan because Michigan was preseason top 10. They went on to lose like three other times that year, too. They were not a top 10 team as it turned out. So uh, we don't know if Miami, a few weeks from now, is really going to be worthy of that preseason top 10 ranking. Right now, it doesn't look like they're going to be, but we don't know what that means for LSU. I mean, LSU beat them, and for example, LSU moved up 17 spots from the preseason poll to the next week because everybody was valuing Miami as a top 10 team. Miami may not be a top 10 team. I know that's what you were saying uh, as well, and LSU could go on to lose four or five games while everybody's thinking they're a top 10 team two weeks into it, and they got a tough game with Auburn this week. So there we go on the preseason polls and what they're worth, and I think we're all anxious to see the college football playoff rankings because, again, they let four or five games play, and then they come forward with an opinion about who to rank and where. So our charge is to do underdogs on this show, nothing but underdogs. Uh, And again, they don't have to outright win, but we've been on a bit of a roll with that as of late. We can pick a combination of college and NFL underdogs, two from one, one from the other. Uh, In Kevin's case, you're going to go with two college football underdogs for this week. So what do you like, where and why to begin us, Mr. Rogers? Well, I'm going to go with two Big Ten games. I'll start with the first one, which is probably a game that I don't even know how ABC or CBS doesn't pick this one up. I mean, it really is a mystery. Uh, <laughs> Rutgers playing Kansas. Uh, and I know it's ugly. I know they both stink. Like, I'm uh, not yeah. shooting that. But, but how many times have we said before, I don't care 
if you're, you finish 1-11. and 11. It doesn't matter to me. As long as you cover this week, that's all I care about. I don't care about you in the overall. It's just about now. And Kansas, who we know, great basketball school, but in football they're direct. They're terrible. They snapped, a, what, a 40-something game road 700, Michigan. 703 straight losses on the road, I think it was. You're going to knock them oh. after they won a road game for the first time since I think Jimmy Carter was the president, and now you're knocking Kansas and taking Rutgers? Is that what's going on here? It's all. I mean, I mean, it's just so bad. Like, I mean, that program is so awful. They lost to Nickel State in the opening week in overtime at home, and then they beat Central Michigan last week, and I can't imagine Central Michigan is that good at all. And so now they return to Lawrence and they play Rutgers. And, and Rutgers just got destroyed by Ohio State last week. But then again, I mean, everyone gets destroyed by Ohio State. So that really, I don't want to say it's misleading, but you know, who's going to beat Ohio State? You know, that's uh, the team of caliber of Rutgers. So I kind of throw that out. But Rutgers is actually a decent road team against the spread last year. They covered four or five last year. And this is more just a fate of Kansas with them going home. They're not really a favorite that often. Coming off this win, you're asking them to win two in a row, which is honestly asking a lot for them. <laughs> and I just think for Rutgers, coming off that loss to Ohio State, they know they're playing a team that they, they can beat. That I think that uh, Rutgers is the way to go this week. Well, you know, there was a prominent faculty member that uh, is anti-football, anti-losing money that put it out there after the Nickel State loss that Kansas should drop football, which is not going to happen because of how lucrative it is to be part of the Big 12. But uh, they then turn around and get the win and snapped that whatever it was, 40-something game road losing streak, which, by the way, uh, Kevin Rogers, now that Kansas has snapped that streak, do you have any idea who has the nation's longest losing streak and it's not a nobody i'll even give you a hint it's a power five program has the nation's longest losing streak right now at 20 consecutive road games 20 straight road games for this power five program that they've lost 20 in a row going back three plus seasons got a guess got a guess for me on the longest one well I know it's not UCLA because they've been terrible the last few years, but right. it's not up to twenty. You so have the right. You have the right conference, by the way. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Oregon State. Oregon then. State, very nice. I'm clapping for you, the Thank Beavers you. of Oregon State, with twenty consecutive true road losses, not a neutral field. Twenty straight uh, road losses have the nation's longest losing streak. I was. I'll. I'll give it up. Uh, I was watching CBS Sports Network, their Inside College Football Show. Uh, with Adam Zucker, Rick Neuheisel, Brian Jones, Aaron Taylor. they got 57 people on that show. Uh, Randy Cross on that show. We'll try to get a couple of guests maybe from that show on Three Dog Thursday later this year. They were talking about that stat, and they stumped the entire panel before, I think, Neuheisel, who's a Pac-12 guy, finally came up with Oregon State. Because you might think of someone like Boston College or um, – you know, somebody like Iowa State or somebody like that that would be a team. But then again, Iowa State was a bowl team last year that's traditionally bad. Vanderbilt, whoever, that would be on the losing streak. But heck, Vanderbilt's won some road games recently in the SEC. So it's did, actually Oregon State. Yeah. Didn't, yeah. Didn't, didn't Iowa State beat Oklahoma last year? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, on the road yeah. at Oklahoma and was a bowl yeah. team. Very true. So yeah. uh, Kansas, you're saying Kansas beating Central Michigan is not the same as Iowa State beating Oklahoma at Oklahoma? Come on, Kevin. Give them a little credit. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say that, that Kansas is in a letdown situation. It could week. be. All right, so you're taking them against Rutgers for this week. I've got an underdog coming up uh, as well. But before we do that, let me tell you about our friends at Vivid Seats. Because if you want to go to that Kansas-Rutgers game, Kevin Rogers, in Lawrence, Vivid Seats is going to have... a 
a seat for you. Now, I have to confess, there's a slightly bigger game that we're going to be talking about in a second with Ohio State and TCU that's going to be played at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington. There might be a few more people interested in that game and going to Vivid Seats to look for the seats on that one, or maybe USC in Texas, or some of these other games that we have, Auburn LSU that we mentioned. Anyway, go to VividSeats.com, download the app Vivid Seats, and you've got a great opportunity to go to these games and look at these underdogs that we're talking about in person and see them at some of the great cathedrals. We'll get to the NFL later on, but I mean, if we're talking about Lambeau Field for the Packers, like that game last Sunday night, or the Coliseum in LA where the Rams are playing this weekend, uh, wherever you would like to go, the Superdome in New Orleans, I was there last week, vividseats.com, check them out, and you're going to get a 10% discount off of your first purchase with Vivid Seats with our promo code 3DOG, the number 3 in the word D-O-G, 3DOG for 3DOG Thursday. We'll get you 10% off your first purchase with Vivid Seats. So a reminder, again, it's an exclusive discount. Games everywhere, live entertainment, Kevin, concerts, uh, any kind of productions that are that are out there. VividSeats.com has that as well, but primarily sporting events and football, the off is good between now and the end of September for the promo code 3DOG to take 10% off more with Vivid Seats. Go to VividSeats.com download the Vivid Seats app go and have fun, be cheering on as those underdogs hit with Vivid Seats and from 3DOG Thursday. So I did mention the game at AT AT&T Stadium Ohio State off the two easy wins now still no Urban Meyer coaching the game. He is allowed to be around practice, not allowed to coach the game. Kevin Rogers, Senior Handicap for VegasInsider.com. What do you think of that part of the quirkiness of the suspension? He's been back last week and this week in practice, but can't coach the actual game. What do you make of that for a half second? Well, my question is this. I'm going to have a, a really sarcastic question for you. How do they know that, that they don't communicate during the game? Right. Like, I really want to know. Like, you're telling me like Urban can't text a coach up in the press box run this play or do this or put him in or like that's why i always wondered like how did they like stop that how do they prove that is there a hall monitor that is with urban a proctor if you will like for an exam that's watching him probably not but in any event tcu is the team that is playing ohio state ohio state's had the two laughers tcu had a bit of a struggle in their game uh their second game of the season against uh smu but uh, they actually pulled away in the second half. Gary Patterson's teams always play good defense. This is kind of a home away from home. Arlington's about 30 minutes from Fort Worth, about 20, 30 minutes, give or take, from Fort Worth. In Jerry's world, there are going to be a lot of Ohio State fans that are going to be there for this showdown coming up. But TCU getting 13 points. I did some original research real quick, Kevin. And I found this, that over the course of the last three seasons, in the regular season, TCU has been at least an eight-point underdog three different times. And in all three cases, they covered. In two of the cases, they won the game, including being a 13-point underdog just like this one last year at Oklahoma State. They won the game. They were they were a nine-point underdog, I believe it was, to Baylor two years ago. They blew Baylor out by 40 points. They were a, an eight- or a nine-point underdog to Oklahoma three years ago, lost the game by one Something says to me that line is too big. Ohio State may win this game. They've got a new quarterback uh, that's in there. JT Barrett is done after 17 years at Ohio State. Uh, Sean Robinson is the quarterback of TCU. They've got a good running back as well. I like the Froggies to hang in with Ohio State. I will take the 13 points on three-dog Thursday here off the roll last week of getting both college underdogs. 
I like TCU in this matchup without Urban there, allegedly, to make the adjustments. So we'll see on that. You've got one more Big Ten underdog, you say, for me. What do you like and where? I said Big Ten for the first one, Big Ten for the second one. The Boilermakers of Purdue. They Ah. are at home against Missouri, against what should be a Big Ten team in Missouri, but they're obviously not. Now they're in the SEC. But besides that point, so Purdue's 0-2 on the season. Missouri's 2-0. Missouri closed out last season on fire. They started off slowly, including a 28-3 loss at home to Purdue. Drew Locke couldn't do anything in that game. He threw for less than 200 yards, was intercepted twice. Purdue ran for 340 yards last week against Eastern Michigan, but somehow lost at home. So now you go to this week. Purdue's getting nearly a touchdown at home to this Missouri team. That can score, and that is uh, an up-and-coming team in the SEC East. However, though, I do not like taking teams in revenge mode that are favorites, and that is the spot with Missouri this week. That Now they're going on the road where Purdue was a 15-point favorite last week. Now they're getting a touchdown here against Missouri, a team that they have confidence against that they beat last year. I think that Purdue can not only hang in this one, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Missouri. All right. Again, Locke set an SEC record for touchdown passes in a season a year ago. So we'll see if that continues uh, in this instance for Purdue getting the six and a half points. And I'm going to go one more college underdog before we get out of here. Florida State really struggled with Samford last week at home. Was losing a lot of the game. They have not looked good on defense in either game against Virginia Tech or against Samford. They now go on the road against Eric Dungy, the, the dual threat running and throwing quarterback who already has nine combined touchdowns in two games running and throwing. This game at the Carrier Dome, I think it will be high scoring. I think Francois, Cam Akers, the running back, can run. But I think I think Syracuse wins this game outright. I will take the three points in the ACC showdown at the Carrier Dome earlier on Saturday. It's a noon Eastern time game. Give me Syracuse against Florida State. I know you're a null. Are they going to get their act together at least in this game, or could this be a high-scoring shootout like I think it's going to be? Real quick. Well, if they don't get their act together, at least they have the turnover backpack they could turn to. Yeah, they don't have the turnover chain. They have a turnover backpack. Do they have a juice box in there and some uh, it's, and, and some they have Willie Taggart's whistle they took after game one oh. and they put it in there. It, and you're losing the whole game last week to Sanford. They got to get it together, and I don't think it's going to happen. I think I think Syracuse can score, and I think Syracuse will win this game against Florida State and drop them to one and two. We'll find out. Kevin, stand by. We'll talk some NFL with you a little bit later on in the show. Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox is straight ahead to talk some pro football with us. Kevin is back for NFL Underdog Picks later on here on Three Dog Thursday. Stay with us. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. Well, I am really looking forward to this for a lot of reasons as we continue along here. Uh, I'm still sitting here days later basking in what Ryan Fitzpatrick was able to do for the Buccaneers in that game with the Saints. Because, look, I mean, full disclosure, I have to go in the locker room after the game with a live microphone. So, of course, I want the Bucs to do well every week. This guy that is joining us now on the Three Dog Thursday podcast was on the national call on Fox TV with Moose Johnson and Laura Oakman and the Fox crew of what the Bucks did 48-40 over the Saints. Let's talk some NFL with Chris Myers. Good to have you, sir. It's good to be on. It's good to talk about uh, what was a very uh, entertaining uh, opening weekend game. Set a record for most combined points in a uh, 
NFL regular season openers since the, the merger, since our era of the Super Bowl. So it was uh, it was fascinating to uh, to observe a lot of a lot of big plays. What do you make of this a few days later that Ryan Fitzpatrick set a career high in passing yards, had a near perfect quarterback rating, time and again the ball on the money to Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson. I mean, Chris, we've had some time to digest it. What do you make of it? Well, I, yeah, a couple of things jump out. I, I wasn't surprised that, and I don't think their cutter of the Bucks were that Ryan Fitzpatrick would would do so well at the controls of of this offense with the kind of talent it has around him, but just how well he used it. I, I think I was surprised, and we saw a little bit of this in the preseason, that he ran the ball so efficiently. As I pointed out in the broadcast, he ran for more yards than Alvin Kamara. And I don't know how much of that was designed or how much of that was just him seeing an opening. Uh, and, and I think that really had a, it was a, it was a hidden element to him, of course, taking advantage of one-on-one coverage of Evans or the speed of Deshaun Jackson. And so that's the other part of it. I thought the Bucks offensive line really came together to give him the moments he needed uh, to make. And this is the area I hope Jameis Winston is paying close attention to make the right decisions, to make good decisions. I mean, you can't always be perfect with your throws, uh, but if you make you know the right you go through the right thought process. Uh, that, that I think you're ahead of the game. And I, I must say, too, on the other side of things, I was uh, very disappointed just from a competitive level of the Saints' defense. I thought there's, their approach, their game plan, their adjustments were just awful. I mean, they, uh, I, I don't know what they were thinking on some things in terms of, what, you know, why not try to take away, have a force the ball to go somewhere else. I mean, there were people that didn't even get the football on the Bucks' offense that, that could have been thrown to. But this was more about the Bucks' success, I think, than, than the failure of the Saints' defense, but the Bucks were there to uh, to take advantage. So yes, and it was it was a across the country. People were stunned. Now we saw, you know, in preseason when Rondé Barber and I get to call the Bucks games. And again, you don't lean on preseason too much, but when the first unit was in there and and you saw that you saw this offense clicking and the quarterbacks having success, starting with Fitzpatrick and and down the line, and then you saw the emergence of of Godwin and I guess that offensive line too, uh, holding holding together despite being. Uh, unable to play together in the preseason was a factor. But, uh, yes, Fitzpatrick made it all happen, and uh, he did it as perfectly as one could on the road. Uh, and the noise didn't seem to bother him. It was it was amazing. I, I'm still you know, I'm rambling here because I'm going through all the, the checklist of things that every that's even to the end with that third down, right? Because you're like, uh-oh, here they come. And he, in third and 11, he runs for the first down. Uh, it was just a back-breaking play for for the uh, opposing team. A credible, incredible day when you consider the Bucks had never scored 48 points in any road game, much less an opening road game. And after that start by the Saints where they drove right down the field, made it 7 nothing. you got 70,000 going bonkers, waving the white towels, and the Bucks just completely outplay them and, and really blew them out for about three quarters until Breeze made it more of a game in the fourth quarter. Uh, we talk here with Chris Myers, and I only have you for a few moments, but this is why we love sports in general. It's a soap opera. It's week to week because the whole narrative has been what's it going to look like when Jameis Winston returns and when he takes back over. Fitzpatrick plays a great game, and there's already some discussion that if he plays well again this week, that it's his team. So, so what? Yeah. I mean, no. this is why we love sports, right? Real quick. No, right. We get so far ahead. We, we all we do. It's, a, it's an overreaction. And I asked Fitzpatrick about that in our in our Fox meetings. We get to sit down without cameras and talk about things so that we were clued in on what the team is doing. We knew Todd Munkin was going to be uh, at least before the game uh, uh, calling the plays, and and Fitzpatrick wouldn't even give that up in our meeting. But he did say, "Hey, I, I this is Jameis's team. I, I'm here." 
to make sure we, we do the best we can until he's ready to return. Now, that's the key, I think, and Jason Light has echoed the same, the general manager of the Bucks, that when he's ready, so whatever the record is, does he just come back? He's been away for three weeks. Is he? he yeah, he's working on his own, and he had a good preseason, but what about timing and the game shape and, and the flow of things. I mean, there can't be any real contact. So does he, is he thrown right in or no, do you, do you let him, you know, Fitzpatrick, if he's doing fine, we'll let, you know, what way you got the bye week after Chicago then. So he really gives him two weeks of prep to kind of dive right back in there. But yes, I, I, I think that the, the fair question, and this is something Jason White said in the preseason, that, that we don't have to address that question until we get to that point. Uh, because a lot of things can happen in between that performance, injury. Look what happened with Vernon Hargraves. I, I think that's a devastating blow. To, he was one of the most improved players on, on defense. So you just don't know what's what's going to happen. But the good news for the Bucks fans is that they have the quarterback they need until their franchise quarterback uh, makes better decisions both on and off the field. That's the voice of Chris Myers, the NFL on Fox. He and Moose, Daryl Johnson, doing the game this week with the Saints and the Browns that you'll see. I want to ask Chris also, because he's out in L.A., that's where he lives. I want to ask him about the Rams and the job they did. First, though, I got to tell you folks a little bit about my bookie and mybookie.com. You know, look, uh, there were a lot of upsets last week, including that Buccaneer uh, victory that was a bit of a shocker. Wild game with Green Bay and Chicago. How about what the Jets did on Monday Night Football against Detroit? So we're all about underdogs here on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. And uh, let me say this. If you are looking uh, for a place to wager that is going to pay you, pay you quickly, pay you reliably, it's my bookie. Go to mybookie.ag, mybookie.com, and we've even got a special offer for you here on the podcast. Use the promo code Three Dog for Three Dog Thursday, and my bookie's going to match your deposit dollar for dollar. Let me say that again: whatever deposit you make, they'll match it dollar for dollar with the promo code, the number three, and the word dog, Three Dog. So use that promo code, and again, uh, you know those seasons are underway. College. NFL, if you're going to look to wager, use our friends at MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid with MyBookie. And remember the promo code 3DOG. Chris, thanks for indulging me there for a second while I promote our friends here that are sponsoring the podcast. Um, just a quick note on the Saints, and I want to ask you about the L.A. Rams out in L.A. Do the Saints recover this week with Cleveland? I mean, Breeze was fantastic in the game. Are we, I mean, they're the division champs last year. They won a playoff game. They're going to get back on track, you would think, right? Yeah, and yeah, that's a yeah, that's great point, and, and that's what got lost in all this. I mean, Drew Breeze was fantastic, and, and the, the Bucks defense does need some work. Again, they were without Brent Grimes, which... I, I I thought this you know somehow the Bucks handled that as well and I, I thought the Saints could have taken even more advantage but yes I I mean I expect them to they're going against a Cleveland team that's improved I'm looking I think maybe the Cleveland Browns might have more defensive talent uh, than maybe what the Saints put out there but again it's it's how you weave that talent together but the quarterback situation in Cleveland is is still something that's not settled with Taylor so I expect the Saints and remember last year they started out 0 2 they went on. Uh, as Sean Payton has said, we, we became a better team as the season went along and they won the division and then they were just that play away from the NFC championship game. And, and I do think, and I, 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 I didn't realize the impact of Mark Ingram that much, uh, but just the wear and tear on Kamara and the overall offense in terms of running the football or having some success, giving their defense a little more of a rest with him out for his suspension for three more games. They will miss him, but I think the Saints will adjust a lot better uh, than they did uh, last week. And they should be able 
uh, to bounce back this week at home. I expected to do that. Well, and Kamara's outstanding. Chris and I can testify to that. I was down there at field level watching him, and the Bucks had all kinds of trouble trying to stop him. And Michael Thomas, 16 catches in week one. So let's see if that continues. Again, before I let you go, you're in L.A. The Rams win on Monday night against Gruden and the Raiders, come back home to play the Cardinals in the home opener. I know there's a lot of competition for eyeballs and interest in Los Angeles with Hollywood and the Dodgers and the Lakers getting LeBron. But look, the Rams were a playoff team last year. How much buzz midweek in L.A.? This is the home opener, and they look good in coming back to beat the Raiders. What about the Rams real quick, uh, Chris? Yeah, there is a lot of buzz, and it's because you know Sean McVay is uh, is a is a rock star. Uh, reminds you, talks even sounds at times like like the younger John Gruden. Uh, and you know they went out and got all the defensive talent, adding and Dominic and Sue, and then Marcus Peters and Akeem uh, Talib. And so uh, they've built this team up. Part of the buzz too, and it's unique, is the is the new stadium that that's coming that the Chargers will also play in. Uh, and there'll be a Super Bowl here a few years down the road in, in Los Angeles. And because it's going to be, uh, it's supposed to be bigger and better than what uh, Jerry Jones has done in Texas. And it'll be used for a lot of other things, but hopefully uh, the Rams having success in there like they are now. They're an exciting uh, offense to, to watch, and, and uh, I, I think they'll be fine at, at home. Uh, you know, and, and people are talking. Here's part of the buzz that that uh, none of the regulars, the starters, no Jared Goff or Todd Gurley played at all in the preseason. Didn't take a snap during a game, and that's just the new theory of okay, hey, let's not risk that. We a little slow start against the Raiders, and then they came on and and did what they do. They're very very creative, and that's what I want to credit the Buccaneers for too, being aggressive on offense. I think there's a way. I think this, the league is going more in that area without the old. Well, I'm gonna you know fourth and one or shorter. I'm gonna play it safe. I think teams are just going for it. They're, they're being a little bit more bold. Uh, and and uh, as far as the Raiders go, I think Gruden and Carr, there's still a lot of Raider fans in Los Angeles, even though they've been back in Oakland and are headed to, to Vegas. I, I think that's we got to watch that relationship. If, if that develops positively, and Carr and Gruden need to develop, then I think the Raiders will be okay. But the Rams are the story out west, and they lead the NFC West after, after one week, and I think you know, most people around the country feel like it'll end up that way at the end of the year. Well, we'll see how it goes there. And again, the Cardinals are significant an underdog this week. We'll see about that on Three Dog Thursday for the underdog predictions. We'll see this guy next the, this weekend back in the Big Easy for Cleveland Browns and New Orleans Saints with his crew on Fox. He is the Chris Myers. Thank you so much for hopping on on Three Dog Thursday. I appreciate your time as always, sir. Yep, uh, always uh, enjoy talking to you. We'll see you down the road with the Bucks. And we got the Eagles after uh, after the uh, the Saints Browns, which I know the Eagles Bucks game will be interesting to watch. Speaking of underdogs, so enjoy. All right, we'll talk to you next time. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. Oh, we are back in once more here on the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs in college football. And now the NFL, our thanks again to Chris Myers hanging out with me there in the last segment. Chris working that Buccaneers-Saints game last week again. He'll be on the call right back in the Big Easy on Browns and New Orleans for this weekend with Moose Johnston and the Fox crew. Uh, My Buccaneers taking on the Philadelphia Eagles at the time that we are talking about 
uh, all of it here on Three Dog Thursday. The Eagles have decided they're going to stick with Nick Foles for this week. We're still unsure as to whether Carson Wentz would be active for the game and available to play. He was not active last Thursday night for their opening night win over the Atlanta Falcons. Kevin Rogers, senior handicapper, VegasInsider.com. All right, I'll put that question to you. Uh, I know they won the game last week. Foles was not tremendous in the game. Would it surprise you, because we don't know, would it surprise you if Carson Wentz is active and maybe playing a little bit in this game with the Buccaneers on Sunday? What's your opinion? I don't know why he'd rush him back. I really don't. And I know that Foles wasn't great against the Falcons. He did, a, he did enough to get the win in that game. And obviously, Matt Ryan and the Falcons had a lot to contribute to that game by not scoring in the red zone. But I just don't think with a guy like Carson Wentz, we have a very capable backup in Foles and what he did in the Super Bowl. There's no reason to rush him back. If he's not ready, let him sit for a month. I just don't see what the big deal is on getting this guy back in and then something happens where he gets hurt again. And, and that's not to like slight Foles say, oh, you're stuck with him the rest of the year. But why? I just don't get it. Just like let him continue to rehab. If he's not ready, you have Nick Foles, and then just bring him back when he's ready. And they have a good running game with uh, Jay Ajayi and a, and a solid defense. And uh, we'll see, because you're right. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, if he's looking at a 10-year, 12-year-plus career, what do two or three games at the beginning of his third season really mean? Uh, it's a good point on that. And Buccaneers with Ryan Fitzpatrick, what a story a week ago. He's now the NFC Offensive Player of the Week by virtue of that career-high 417 yards and four touchdowns. Can he sustain it, as we were talking about with Chris Myers? If he does sustain it, what does that mean with Jameis Winston's return? All of that is subject to change depending on how Fitzpatrick plays and if the Bucs win. And look, full disclosure, I'm part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio broadcast. I want him to win every game. I want Fitzpatrick to win them all. And if Jameis Winston comes back, I want him to win them all as well. This is uh, an interesting matchup here uh, at Raymond James Stadium. Home opener for the Bucs and a chance for them to maybe be 2-0 and if they can put it together against the Eagles. We'll find out if either one of us are going to take that game on Three Dog Thursday. Uh, but one more, though, on Aaron Rodgers. Again, at the time we're taping, he's not able to practice right now for this game with the Vikings. Mike McCarthy, the coach, won't say that it's a knee ligament sprain, but Rodgers gave an interview where he said, sprained my knee. So it is a sprained knee or sprained knee ligament. Uh, He can't practice. They play the tough Vikings coming on Sunday night. What about that comeback the other night in the second half? But but maybe is this one of those where Aaron Rodgers is not going to be able to play Sunday because now the adrenaline is worn off, et cetera, and they may have to go to Deshaun Kaiser. What about that whole quarterback situation there for Green Bay? Yeah, it's another tough one because, you know, Green Bay is obviously, uh, you know, they're, they're dead in the water without Aaron Rodgers. This isn't the Eagles where Nick Foles can still win games if he's a starting quarterback. The Packers are in, are in huge trouble if, if he doesn't play. So the question is, you're playing Minnesota on Sunday, the team that injured him last year, in fact, but you're playing Minnesota, obviously a big divisional game that's a big edge right out of the gate that – if he's not 100%, do you sit him and just say, look, we still have a shot at the playoffs, even if we lose this game? Or do you, do you say, if it's not that severe, he gives us the best chance to win. If we could find a way to win this game, every win does count in the NFC. And I understand you could say that for anybody in the NFL, but you know you don't want to look back and finish one game shy because you sat him out in that game against Minnesota. So that's kind of where I think Aaron Rodgers knows what his – 
help what, what his uh, pain tolerance is. I mean, it was incredible what he did against the Bears last week, and now you just see what he's going to do against Minnesota. I think he'd want to play, considering what happened last year against the Vikings. But, uh, again, it's going to come down to his health. And, uh, again, a different situation that Mike McCarthy needs Aaron Rodgers a lot more than Doug Peterson needs Carson Wentz. Good point on that, and I always use this disclaimer. We'll pull it out again here. You may be listening to the show later in the weekend after Thursday, getting ready for the Sunday games. You may already know that they ruled Rodgers out. Then again, he may it may be announced already that he's playing at the time that you're hearing the show. We don't know that while we're talking midweek in preparation here on Three Dog Thursday. It, it should be noted that the uh, Packers' next three opponents, after the Vikings, they'll play the Washington Redskins in Washington and then Buffalo at home. So there's some winnable games in there, even if you choose to go with Kaiser maybe in the Minnesota game and then say, hey, ease Rodgers back in for the next two. The Washington game at Washington might be a little tougher than the Buffalo game at home. But let's see what the Packers elect to do uh, in that one coming up. All right, so you have given two college underdogs. I have given two college underdogs. Give me an underdog in the NFL that you do like for this week. We both got to get back on track after week one. Neither one of us hit on, a, on an NFL underdog. Who do you like for a doggy and why? You know, I, I do like week twos in the NFL, especially because everyone thinks after week one they know everything. And when you go, you know, when you lose both your games like I did, then I guess I know nothing. So I can only <laughs> just get better from here. So, you know... There's a lot of games this week. You know, we were trying to gauge what happened last week, and is that really what they are? You know, a very good handicapper one time said to me, "You're not as bad as you looked last week in a loss. You're not as good as you looked in a win." Okay, so keep that in mind. So, with that being said, we just saw them a few days ago. They were horrible. They were embarrassed. I'm going to take them. That's the Detroit Lions going Woo! to San Francisco to play the 49ers. Wait, 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 wait. Matt- now, wait a minute. I'm looking at the sheet of games, and I don't know that I would have picked the Lions as one of your top three that you would have gone with. You need to explain yourself here on why the Lions. Well, first of all, you know, we saw what happened on Monday night. And obviously, they had the pick six at the beginning against the Jets. You thought, oh, they're going to cruise, and then Matt Stafford was terrible. And Sam Darnold sliced him up after that. We got it all. That's fine. Okay, they were laying seven points against the Jets. We realized the Jets are a little better than uh, advertised, and the Lions probably aren't as good. Now the Lions are going out west in a short week, and they're an underdog to a San Francisco team that's getting a lot of love because of Jimmy Garoppolo. And look, I took them last week, the 49ers, against the Vikings, and I was very frustrated watching that game. And if you watched it or didn't watch it, you saw what happened that Alfred Morris fumbled inside the five when they were going in down 10-3 to and, and lost possession of the ball. So that was a killer there. You get maybe a field goal, you get some momentum, but you get nothing out of it. Garoppolo had a pass down the sidelines, and it was dropped. That would have gone for about 30 yards. Next play, he throws it to the sideline, receiver slips, and it's picked off a run back for a touchdown. So that kind of fell apart there, and, there, and Pierre Garçon dropped a touchdown pass. They got held to a lot of field goals, and they lost by eight. They had chances in that game, the 49ers, against a Vikings team that was one win away from hosting the Super Bowl last year. So they were there. Now you got them as a favorite going home. And this is a San Francisco team that I pumped up last week by saying they won their final five with Garoppolo, but at the same time, four of those wins came as an underdog. The only uh, win as a favorite was a non-cover against Tennessee. They needed a late field goal to win that game. This was a, still a 6-10 and 10 team from last year. Detroit was 9-7, and seven, 
And you could say what you want about the Lions, but now the roles are flipped. Everyone knows. Everyone in the nation saw this game. They saw how bad they looked. I got to think there's motivation there. Detroit plays New England next week on Sunday Night Football at home. I'm not saying that's an automatic loss, but this feels like a get-right game for the Lions that they really don't want to be 0-2 going to play the Patriots and, and Patricia facing his old boss in Belichick. I just think that Detroit, this is a good spot for them, that a lot of people are so down on them that I think they come back and play well this week. How about that? Uh, oh, look, how about the Jets saying after this game that they knew the plays that were coming by formations and how the Lions were lining up? I mean, I know that's easy to say after you've won, but that, I mean, if that is the case, then Matt Patricia and his staff have really got to regroup here at the, at the moment to get ready to go play this game on the road. And you're right, then you've got the New England game after that. Uh, we'll see for Detroit. So that is a wild uh, pick on Three Dog Thursday. This is why we love Kevin Rogers. I would not. I, I'm looking at all these different uh, ones. You know, the Bills going to Josh Allen at home, and the line has already skyrocketed up to like eight or nine points in that one against the Chargers. I would have looked at that one, or or maybe the Cardinals getting a lot of points at the Rams, like we were talking about uh, with Chris Myers in the last segment in the game at the Coliseum. But you went with the Detroit Lions off that bad. Monday night game. Hey, can I ask you yeah, one question sure. before you get to your picks? Sure. That you brought up the you brought up the Bills. I mean, like, what kind of pictures does Nathan <laughs> Peterman have of Sean McDermott? I mean, seriously, like, I could throw ten interceptions in a game. Well, let me look at the film and see. Come on, man, yeah. give up on this. Well, guy they already, have they know? have said now they're going to go with Josh Allen, but keep in mind uh, that they traded away AJ McCarron in the preseason. Here, he had an injury. Those are the two quarterbacks, and if Allen is ineffective or is injured, guess who they have to go back to? That's Peterman, who couldn't complete a pass for a while last week, except to the Ravens in the game in in Baltimore. So we'll see how Buffalo does their home opener. It only took one week for for Sean McDermott to again say, not Peterman, Peterman, uh, instead go with Josh Allen. We'll see uh, on that. All right, so an underdog for me to fill out my slate. I mentioned this game. I'm kind of going along the same lines that you are where the team can't be this bad. I mentioned this game with Chris Myers. Arizona traveling to the Rams as the largest underdog for this week. Give me the Arizona Cardinals. I know Sam Bradford at quarterback. They've got Josh Rosen, who's battled injury at the end of uh, preseason. Mike Glennon is there, too. David Johnson back healthy, running the ball. The Rams feeling good about themselves after the win over the Raiders, over Gruden and the Raiders. I know the Rams' defense is good. It's their home opener. There's probably going to be some distractions here. I think Arizona hangs in. Again, I don't believe they're going to win this game, but I think they can hang in on the 12-and-a-half with the L.A. Rams. So I will take a bit of a gamble here. I could have gone Kevin Rogers with my Buccaneers getting the three points against the Eagles with Nick Foles there quarterbacking the Eagles. Bucks at home. I stayed away from that one. I took a look at Jacksonville against New England, but I still – how do you go against Tom Brady and it's only one point in that game? Am I crazy to take Arizona to keep it close here? I know Washington whacked them last week at home. New head coach and all. I, I like Arizona here at the Coliseum. Well, you are you are learning very well, my friend. I mean, you can't ever ask me as a crazy pick. I actually like the Cardinals, and for a lot of the reasons you said, and, and for what I like to say, that the Rams on, on Monday Night Football, they beat the Raiders, and the Rams actually – were a great road team last year, and you saw how it carried over to Monday night. They were very average at home, and I know that they lost to the Eagles and the Seahawks, and they lost to really good teams at home, 
and uh, the Redskins also beat them at home last year. But they're just a different team at home because you don't have that atmosphere there. Like you mentioned, you just don't have it. And for Arizona, as bad as they were, they had, I think, two first downs and 30-something yards of offense in the first half against the Redskins last week. I'd go to, they can't be any worse, and now all of a sudden you're getting two touchdowns on a short week. I mean, I think Arizona, and again, I know it's the old don't take them the only thing they could win, but I think in the NFL you can hang a little more as opposed to college, you know. I think you can still hang and lose by 10. So Arizona, I think, is is a good pick. Well, and the Cardinals, again, have Larry Fitzgerald. Of course, the Rams now with Tlaib and Marcus Peters, the lockdown corners. I know we were talking about that with Chris earlier. Again, the Rams good on defense. I think the Rams will probably win the game, but it might be just only a touchdown here in this one. So I'll take the points and the Cardinals to wrap it up here for our predictions on Three Dog Thursday. I briefly mentioned Jaguars rematch with the Patriots, rematch of the AFC title game. The Patriots are a short one-point favorite in uh, in this one. Fournette may or may not play with the injured hamstring. Again, at the time we're talking, we don't know that. You may already know if you're listening to us later in the weekend, they ruled him out or whatever. Do you have a quick thought? Not that you have to make a prediction here on New England, Jacksonville. That's one of the marquee games of the weekend, Patriots-Jags. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got the scheduled early in the season, the rematch, the AFC Championship. You know, I would think going in that the Patriots, after, you know, it was a tough game against Jacksonville last year, now going on the road that maybe, you know, obviously at a one point that it's almost like a pick em, that you take the Patriots. I mean, Jacksonville had a really nice performance last week against the Giants to do enough, even though Saquon Barkley had that long touchdown run and, and Beckham had over 100 yards receiving. But, uh, I'd lean Patriots here just because I just don't know if Jacksonville, if they can really get enough offense against New England. I mean, yeah. we saw last week where Deshaun Watson, you think, oh, you know, he lit him up last year and really got shut down last week, and the Patriots were in control that whole game. Yeah, well, and in, and in Jacksonville's case, they'll go with T.J. Yeldon, but they, Blake Bortles, I know Belichick was talking up Blake Bortles midweek right before we taped Three Dog Thursday, but I, I, you know, I don't know about him being able to carry them without Fournette. We'll find out if Fournette can play or not as the weekend rolls on for that matchup. So, again, that's one of the marquee games uh, for the weekend. And Sunday Night Football, Cowboys and Giants with both of them at 0-1. Will the Cowboys cross midfield in the first half of this game, unlike the Carolina game? Quick answer, Kevin Rogers. Do they cross midfield? In the first half, Sunday night, maybe the forty. Maybe I mean, the <laughs> offense was pathetic. It really, it was. I watched some of that game while waiting out the rain delay of that Dolphin yep. game, and, and it was pathetic. How they just couldn't do anything last week, and they still and they still were down eight with a chance to tie it late. The, the they, Cowboys they did not cross midfield the entire first half, being shut out in Carolina. My Buccaneers had thirty-one points at the half on the Saints at the Superdome. Go figure. It's the NFL. Welcome to it. All right, uh, we had fun on this edition of the show. As always, I like to give uh, Kevin the opportunity to tell us more about everything going on with where he resides senior handicapper and writer with vegasinsider.com tell us more sir yeah now we're in into the thick of things with week two of the nfl and also college football into week three and soon we'll be in the conference play for most of these teams in in college football nba starts in a month almost which is crazy you know so we, we got a lot going on and also baseball's wrapping up and going towards the playoffs so a lot going on right now in the sports world and yeah i mean the football nfl you get all the previews the tech trends uh everything you can get the articles on total plays you get the free odds college football looking ahead to this weekend and again we 
we send our thoughts out to uh, the fine people in the Carolinas. Yes. Hopefully they're safe there. That's uh, a dangerous, dangerous storm. And, you know, we've seen them in Florida before, but you know, it doesn't look good for them. So hopefully they're all okay there. But, uh, yeah, we got a lot uh, to check out, VegasInsider.com, and also on Twitter at TwitVI. And you can follow this man at VI Rogers. Follow this show at Three Dog Thursday. And I'm glad that you mentioned that again at the time that we're taping. Uh, Hurricane Florence is on its way to the eastern part of the United States. We believe towards the Carolinas. They've canceled a bunch of games and rightfully so millions being evacuated. Be safe out there. Hopefully football can be a release for those people at some point this weekend when they're safe and evacuated and somewhere else while the hurricane moves through. So that is a backdrop that's already canceled some significant games in college football for this weekend. So we'll see what happens there. Again, Kevin goes with Rutgers and Purdue, a couple of Big Ten teams for the colleges. I will go with Syracuse against Florida State and TCU against Ohio State in the colleges. Kevin going with the Detroit Lions, and I'm going Arizona Cardinals for NFL predictions with Three Dog Thursday for this week. Kevin, we had a blast. Thank you. Good luck with the underdog predictions. We will talk to you next week. Okay, TJ, thank you. And we thank Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox for being with us as well as he's working that Cleveland-New Orleans game back in the Superdome after the Bucks beat the Saints last week. We thank you for being with us. Again, find us uh, however you found us through RadioInfluence.com. Subscribe to the show, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Rate the show, rank it, move it up in the rankings. And again, find us here next week for another edition of the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. That's Three Dog Thursday. For Kevin Rogers, I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy the games. This is a Rush the Field quick fix on Radio Influence. Another team, Chris, that's very fast, the Georgia Bulldogs. They went on the road to South Carolina. You and I previewed that game last week, and we thought it could be a good test for that Georgia team. Well, they passed with flying colors rather easily. They did. They dominated the game. And the one area that I thought, and listen, I, I think emotion has a great deal to do with college football success. It's certainly leading into a game and whatnot. But the reality is uh, you can only win so much on bravado, uh, really how you play your team speed, your play at the line of scrimmage. Uh, is going to be the ultimate decider in most of these games unless you just play poorly. Georgia's a significantly better football team, significantly better on the offensive line, uh, on the defensive line. They've got greater depth. They've got greater speed. They've got more playmakers. South Carolina has some. South Carolina didn't play their best ball, but a lot of it has to do with that they have to be really aggressive at times uh, and probably got away out of their comfort zone a little bit because they had to. Georgia forced them out of it. Big plays, and, you know, everyone always looks after the game from their standpoint or their team. Well, if we did A, B, C, D, and E, that could have changed it. Well, yeah, that, but A, B, C, D, and E happened because you're not quite where this other team is, and that's where Georgia is. They're an elite team right now. Um, they're playing as good as anybody in the country. Yes, they're young on defense, but they are good. And for goodness sakes, they are loaded at receiver, and they've got more running backs. I mean, they're Alabama-like. This Mm. is the team, even more so than Clemson in my mind, that plays like Alabama, prepares like Alabama, attacks on game day like Alabama, finishes in the fourth quarter like Alabama, and plays with that intensity regardless of who they're playing against, Austin Peay or South Carolina or this week against Middle Tennessee. Uh, That's what Georgia is. 
and good luck getting them because they're not going away. They're going to they're here to stay. Rush the field with Scott Seidenberg and Chris Leary can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.